Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. It's a special podcast we put together on the weekends for you to enjoy. It's going to highlight some of our best interviews from this week from the radio show, including the topic of that disastrous raid of Mar-a-Lago that is blowing up in the FBI, DOJ, and Biden administration's face. Also, a look at what's going on with this January 6th pipe bomber case that nobody seems talking about, seems to be talking about except for Julie Kelly, Darren Beatty, Tucker, and me. You can hear these interviews live during the week in your local radio station. To find out where you can hear the Dan Bongino radio show near you, go to Bongino.com, click on Station Finder, and you'll find the station nearest you. If you're looking for a firearm that's easy to transport, you got to check out the U.S. Survival Rifle from Henry Repeating Arms. It's a portable rifle you can put together and take apart in a few minutes. And then when you're not using it, you can store the parts in the little case it comes in. It's so small, it can be stored anywhere, in a go bag, anywhere. It's light enough to carry everywhere. Comes in black and two different camo patterns. You can pick one up for three to $400, depending on the finish. You can watch a few videos at henryusa.com survival. And while you're there, be sure to order their free catalog. Henry makes more than 200 rifles, shotguns, and revolvers in the role made in America, backed by a lifetime satisfaction guarantee and the best customer service in the business. Go to their website. It's henryusa.com, and be sure to order a free catalog. They'll send it with free decals on a list of dealers in your area. That's henryusa.com for a free catalog and decals and to see the Henry U.S. Survival Rifle. First up today, we talk with Michael Knowles. Michael had some great insight on what's going on with agencies like the FBI right now and how the feckless Republicans can see what's really going on and how they can respond to it. All right, welcoming back to the show, one of our most popular guests. We always get a ton of feedback about... um, Michael Knowles, who's conveniently host of the Michael Knowles Show, one of the most popular podcasts out there. Michael, as always, thanks for coming back. We appreciate your time. Dan, wonderful to be with you as always. Another fine day in the Banana Republic. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just, you know, I'm on, uh, I did a lot of Fox hits over the last, which I don't, I usually do, you know, Saturday morning, and I'll do Hannity like every other week because there's just a lot going on. But this week, Given how important everything was, I felt it was um, my obligation to go on and use the platform. And um, I said last night, I mean, we're like we went from like the third world to Banana Republic to now like tin pot dictator stuff. And I gave the example, at least with Pravda, everybody understood them to be, you know, state agitprop, you know, like in the Soviet Union. The fact that these entities are still pretending to be, you know, unbiased, you know, law enforcement agents like Christopher Ray, who just said that at a hearing is it's just it's embarrassing. It's just laughable at this point. What's even more frustrating to me than the liberals who are perverting these agencies and using them to attack their political opponents? Frankly, even more frustrating than that are the squishes. The squishes, the squish Republicans yes. who just don't get it, who don't see what's happening right now. There are actually people, and some of whom I even like personally. All right, I'm not going to name names. I don't want to say Tim Scott's name here, but. Senator Tim Scott, he goes on TV and he says he doesn't want to rush to judgment and he wants to let this process play out. And I think respectfully, we've seen the process play out. We're not rushing to judgment at all. The DOJ and the FBI, in concert with Democrats, have been attacking Trump for six years now. This has been, I'm sorry, seven years now. This has been going on since 2015. They start spying on the Trump campaign to keep him out of office. Then he gets into office. They, tr- they use the DOJ illegitimately in concert with Dems 
to undermine the presidency. They try to impeach him twice unsuccessfully. They don't manage to kick him out of office. Then he finally leaves office after they change all the election rules. And what do they do? They, they raid his home. For what? For the Federal Records Act? Because he may or may not have had some <laughs> physical classified documents. Meanwhile, you've got Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State, with digital copies of classified material, 30,000 emails, easily hackable by any hostile foreign government. You even compare the, the two types of document there. You've got the outdated documents. By definition, they would have to be outdated, even if Trump had them. Physical documents, unless some, some Chinese spy is sneaking into Mar-a-Lago and going into his bedroom, they're, they're not going to get those materials. Or you got Hillary, who's leaking classified material all over the planet, possibly got people killed as a result of that. And, and yet what happened? The FBI doesn't raid the Clinton home. The FBI doesn't go down there. No, never mind. She wipes the server. It's all gone. Meanwhile, they go after Trump to try to prevent him from running again. And so it's just so clear. If you do not understand right now that this is a two-tier justice system, that this is all about targeting not only Biden's predecessor, but his most popular, most powerful political opponent right now, then I don't know, man. I, I just I, I think you're not going to make it at that point. If you, if you need to wait yeah. and withhold judgment, then you just don't have judgment. Yeah, we had him on yesterday. I, I, I challenged him about his Lisa Murkowski endorsement, too. And, you know, Michael, I'm glad you said that because I got into a big beef um, with Trey Gowdy as well. I, I, I'm pretty sure you remember the appearance he did, I don't know, five, six years ago when Spygate was hot. Yeah. And he said something on the Martha McCallum show like, well, everybody did everything by the numbers in the FBI. I was like, is this guy eating edibles or something? Like, did someone slip something in his Cheerios? Like, what? are you crazy? Like, you, yeah. we have to call that out. And, uh, you know, I'm glad you did. I mean, you know, they may be with us on certain issues, but this is a really big deal. You know, you just brought up something, though, that your colleague over there at the Daily Wire, we're talking to Michael Knowles, host of the Michael Knowles podcast, Matt Walsh. I heard Matt say on Tucker a long time ago, and it transformed a lot of my thinking about this. You know, we can say all the, you know, as, as often as we want that it's hypocrisy, it's hypocritical. Hillary Clinton obviously destroyed evidence. Jim Comey, Sandy Berger. I mean, the examples are legendary. I mean, uh, I'll give you another one that we didn't even bring up. Hey, Jim, you remember this one, too? Remember when the uh, Mueller team was asked to turn over their cell phones and the Mueller team was like, oh, I don't know what happened. We lost them. Like that happens all the time. But Matt said once in a Tucker appearance, he goes, no, no, it's not. It's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy. And I never forgot that. I just said it in the last segment. This is hierarchy. They're authoritarians. They're in charge. And when they're in charge, they're like, we don't really give a damn. We're in charge. Power is our thing. We don't do morals or ethics. And you can just kiss our butts. Of course, you know, Mike Anton over at the Claremont Institute, he's the oh, author of the Flight 93 essay. I love the guy. He has yes. a, a phrase for this. He calls it the celebration parallax. Parallax, a, yes. A parallax, <laughs> is a, you know, a kind of a $5 word refers to uh, the position of an object when seen from different vantage points. And, and what he means by this is the, the left can go out and do something. Let, let's say, for instance, rig an election. And we know that the left did this because they, they published a big magazine article after the 2020 election talking about all the ways that they changed all the rules to give more of an advantage to Democrats and to dis disadvantage Republicans. And they celebrated this and they said it's a wonderful thing. And yet when the Republican repeats back verbatim the very words that the left just uttered, <laughs> the, the very things they say, then they say, no, that's fake news. That's a conspiracy theory. That's terrible. You can't do it. So, so the, the value of, of the very same words changes 
in our current system, depending on who is the one saying it. And so that's what you're seeing. You're seeing two different tiers. You're seeing different different uh, privileges and treatment if you're a Democrat or a Republican. And, to, you know, the, the, we have to obviously call out that hypocrisy and that hierarchy and that two-tiered system. But we also have to do something about it. And this is actually why when I, when I call out Tim Scott, I, I lead with the fact that he's a nice guy. Because he actually is a nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a compelling backstory. Yeah, there's nothing. But but I, I get it. You can go ahead. Sorry. And then, well, this is the this is the, actually kind of the problem with the niceness is we are now dealing with a situation where we we've seen for years and years and years the left is wielding the government in a very unjust way to destroy the opposition. Now is not a time. For nice guys, okay. Now is I'm not saying we need to be cruel or unjust or immoral. We shouldn't be any of that. But we've got to be strong. We've got to be tough. We have to have moral clarity, and we need to have the courage of our convictions to actually do something. Courage is a virtue. People forget, and it's the prerequisite for all of the other virtues. And if Republican politicians or conservatives who are who are in the fight are not willing to wield the power that the people happily give them on occasion for good ends and to stop these horrible abuses in our government, then they're just not worth anything in the positions that they find themselves. Mike, that's such a good point. I was talking to Michael Knowles, host of the Michael Knowles show. Uh, This is why I don't like having you on these short segments here, because I could talk to you all day and I had five or six (laughs) questions and I seriously haven't gotten to one yet. The first one, because you just opened up with such good stuff. But a couple of things the nice guy thing you just mentioned, you are so correct. I call it kind of the new rules doctrine. And, and, and it's this, you know, when you're sitting there in a bar with, say, some close friends and, you know, some guy next to you is telling you how, you know, ah, listen, you know, I, I cheated on my wife last night or whatever. You're kind of like, eh, not so cool, bro. Like, maybe you don't. But like when you're in a foxhole in the middle of like a hot war and people are shooting down range and you're minutes from death. You don't really care. You're like, bro, I, I get it. Like, shoot that way. Like, this isn't yeah. the time for that. And it's like, that's what you're saying. Like, I get it. Like, Tim Scott's really good guy. His book's out. The book is really compelling. His backstory's amazing, coming from yeah. nothing. And I'm sure he's with us 80% of the time on stuff. But you're darn right. Like, this isn't the time to let the other 20% go because the 20% is a raid on a former president that, that's, yeah. that has the potential to change the country forever. And, and by the way, when we're talking about this this perversion of the DOJ here, the targeting of political opponents, we're not just talking about another political issue. There's a lot of political issues we all care about. We care about immigration. We care about pro-life. We care about taxes. We care about foreign wars. I, you know, there's so many issues. This is kind of a meta-political issue. This is an issue of how people are even allowed to serve in the government, period, how the political order actually works. If we are in a system now where the Democrats can get away with taking their chief political opponents off the table through bogus, trumped-up charges, pardon the pun, then, then that, that is the urgent political problem. Because if we don't fix that, if we can't feel that there is integrity in our electoral system, if we, if we don't... Uh, believe that half the country actually is enfranchised and actually can have some modicum of political power, then all those issues are, are really secondary. We're not going to be able to deal with any of those if the Democrats 
by perverting the entire liberal establishment, give themselves a, a kind of permanent grasp on the power. That is an immediate problem. We have to grapple with that problem. I'm glad when people are with us 80 percent, 90 percent of the way. But you've got to deal with the real political fight in front of you or all those wonderful positions and a buck 50 will get you a cup of coffee. Sorry. In Joe Biden's America, all those positions and five fifty will get you a cup of coffee because of all the inflation. <laughs> yeah. Coming out again today, 8.5 percent. Michael, um, your 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 opinion on this? I, I think this may be one of the, if not the biggest blunder uh, in the history of federal law enforcement and intelligence. This raid on Donald Trump. These are people. Now, I was a federal agent. There were requirements for all eighteen elevens. You got to have a college degree, three years of relevant work experience. Um, you have to have done something professionally: lawyer, teacher. Uh, engineer. These are people who are pros. And typically it's because it's a very competitive job. It's typically an advanced degree and like 10 years of experience more realistically most of the time. So these aren't dumb people. Who the hell sat around a room and thought, you know what? I've got an idea. Let's raid this guy's house when he's up in New York uh, for a Presidential Records Act violation. Let's do it in one of the media capitals of Florida, Palm Beach. And you know what? This is going to go over great. Like, what kind of an idiot? This is the biggest blunder I have ever seen. They practically made a billion-dollar donation to the Trump 2024 <laughs> campaign. Well, it certainly, I think at this point, has increased uh, Trump's likelihood of being the 2024 nominee by, I don't know, 200 percent, 300 percent. The guy was already leading. And he's, uh, clearly this is going to rally the troops around him. There's no question about that. But when you ask where was this decision made, I have to think it goes up a hell of a lot higher than some agents sitting around or even higher than Christopher Ray or higher maybe than some of the, the people over there at DOJ. I was on the fence as to whether or not people directly around the president or in the White House knew about this raid or had any association with it until I heard the statement from the White House press secretary, Corrine Jean-Pierre. I don't know if you caught this yesterday. She, she was asked about this, obviously, and she played dumb. She said, I don't know. What are you people calling it? Yeah. The, you call the Mar-a-Lago raid? I don't know. And it just it rang so artificial to me. It seemed so insincere. If, if Corrine Jean-Pierre had come out and said, yeah, we don't know about it. It actually wasn't us. It was the FBI. Maybe I would have believed it. But the fact that now she's pretending not to know much about the number one news story in the country that concerns Joe Biden's predecessor and chief rival. And two, she's pretending to not know what a raid is. All of a sudden, <laughs> Democrats yeah. know what a, the meaning of a basic word. To me, it, it's just too insincere. It reminds me of when Hillary Clinton pretended not to know what it meant to wipe a server. And she answers, she yeah. said, what do you mean with a cloth? I said, OK, lady, now we know you, it, we got you guilty, dead to rights. Uh, so uh, they're, they're, forget about the investigation into Trump. We need an investigation into who authorized this outrageous. Uh, you want to talk about an assault on our democracy, uh, uh, unprecedented raid on Mar-a-Lago. Yeah, I, I'm, unfortunately, I got to run, Michael, but I really uh, I'm stunned. I mean, these are not dumb people and that they didn't think through the cascade of horribles and this proliferation of stupidity. It's not going to happen going forward because you know what's going to happen now? A lot of MAGA supporters and others are going to be out there now demanding the same trip, rightfully so. And then we get to you get into this endless cycle and it's just disastrous. Michael Knowles, host of the Michael Knowles show. It is fantastic. 
As always, thanks for your time. You're always great. We appreciate it. Dan, great to be with you as always. Thanks. You got it, folks. Yeah, I mean, that they didn't think this thing through is... is, is and listen, I worked around a lot of federal agents. I'm, I've been telling you, we had a few guys who, you know, I, whatever. But the overwhelming majority of guys I work with were, were really bright. A lot of them were former street cops. They knew their stuff. I just, I, this, I've never seen a bigger blunder screw up in law enforcement history than this. Just stupid. That was Michael Knowles. Up next, we talk with Cash Patel, former senior administration official in the Trump administration. Uh, he has some real good insights in this interview. With cyber attacks on the rise, protecting your data security is more important than ever. So why is Congress considering a law that puts your data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill shifts billions in consumer spending to less secure payment networks, all so that corporate megastores can make bigger profits. Don't let Durbin Marshall steal your data. Visit handsoffmyrewards.com security and tell your senators to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Paid for by Electronic Payments Coalition. Here's my friend Cash Patel, who gets to the meat and potatoes of what the disastrous raid was really, yes, raid, was all about. And what they're trying to cover up. It has a lot to do with Spygate and Russiagate. You don't want to miss this. You know, when situations like this grotesque abuse of power come up, uh, there are, there's a limited number of people I like to talk to. So we're going to have two guests on the show today. I usually don't do two, as you know. Uh, Julie Kelly and my guest coming up now, um, Cash Patel. Cash was one of the lead investigators for the Russia collusion hoax and the Spygate debacle. Also was a senior administration official, very close confidant of President Trump. Cash, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Dan, thanks so much for having me. You've got a great show and I can't wait to get into this. Uh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, I, I knew things had broken bad and that we were sadly descending down this tyrannical route, Cash. But I'm sitting there this week and I'm watching this with my wife unfold and I'm sitting there with, you know, the proverbial jaw drop. I, I, I can't believe they would usually they're a little more cryptic about this. Now, one of the things I found out about this is the lawyer thing. You uh, being very familiar with the legal space yourself. Why would you not allow a lawyer in such a high-profile service of a, of a warrant? Why would you not allow Donald Trump's lawyers on, this, on the scene there? It seems odd. Here's, you know, look, as, as my time as a national security prosecutor at DOJ, serving warrants and executing warrants on terrorists and other bad guys, even we deli- followed the letter of the law and delivered the warrant and followed the rules because we knew that they would use any hiccup against us and the only reason that this occurred and now we know for sure and i said it earlier and you did too that attorney general merrick garland had to personally sign off on this and that's what he admitted to and they did it because they are basically panicking in heat and they don't know what to do now they've lost control of the political argument which is the last thing they wanted to lose control over and now the facts are going to slowly slip away from them like russiagate and to not hand over that warrant is a rookie mistake by whatever fbi guys were on the ground uh, but I think it's worse than that. I think it was orchestrated by the top, and they said, don't give them to him. Yeah, I think so, too. We're talking to Cash Patel. Cash, you, I mean, you were not figuratively, but literally at the, the top levels of the executive office of the president, a very close advisor to President Trump. You, you've been in the Department of Justice. Uh, what I can't get my arms around, I'm not being silly about it, is, these are Joe Biden's not very smart, but the people around him, although I disagree with their <laughs> politics vigorously, they're not yeah. stupid. They they have no. typically a better sense of this stuff. Who was sitting around a table and thought this was a good idea? I mean, did they not? 
I don't. Just help me understand this. Like, what did the, the, the backlash? Or, I mean, a, a moron could have seen this coming. Yeah, well, I'll tell you exactly who's around that table. Christopher Ray at the FBI, who's shown just how much of a clown show he's let allow and operate underneath him with a lack of accountability for people breaking the law, agents running Russiagate, the same agents that are running Jan 6, the same agents that ran FBI's operation into Hunter Biden, are the same guys that get a promotion to do the Whitmer uh, fake prosecution in, in Michigan. The, the fact that this is the leadership in place, Garland and Ray, that should tell you everything you need to know. They made the decisions because they thought they had the intellect to go through America and pull a fast one over them. And they got caught. And now they are racing uh, to do maneuvers that never would have been done. Like they put in a motion to unseal the warrant because things are so bad for them. And that's when, you know, DOJ and FBI have lost it. When they are begging a court to release government sensitive information because they totally, totally screwed the pooch on the execution and just calling for this warrant in the first place, which could have been handled by subpoena, as you know. And, and then they tried to touche the President Trump saying, oh, well, Maybe President Trump doesn't want the warrant unsealed, to which he promptly puts out a statement on truth saying, hey, no, no, unseal everything. Matter of fact, unseal the entire case if you can, which made them look stupid. Like, like I said, you would think they would have been more prepared. But I see neither you nor I as rational human beings have a good answer as to why they were so dumb. Let me get to this. We don't. I mean, you and I are both trying to figure this out. Like, what kind yeah. of idiots thought this would work out well? This uh, new... Uh, nuclear classified information sounds to me like desperation. Now, you being one of the lead investigators on Spygate, I know you noticed the byline authors in the Washington Post. They're all deep state swampers, right? They pretend to be media people. They were the ones who were clearly given the tip by this DOJ who, you know, in immoral and unethical fashion leaked this nuclear talking point. This sounds to me, they know that word is going to elicit fear amongst people like just a desperation Mm -hmm. move. It, it is. They ran it in Russiagate when they said you're going to blow up the, our relationship with the United Kingdom if you let out Christopher Steele's name and let the truth out about how we handled it. Fast forward to this investigation. The National Archives Office referred Donald Trump's matters of archives over to the Department of Justice. You know what they failed to do? They failed to do the same thing when Hillary Clinton actually had classified information. So you know the National Archives is politicized, and that's a preface to the following. Let's put that aside. The, are we to believe that they knew, the United States government knew that Donald Trump had sensitive nuclear information and right. they waited two years to go get it, right. or that they executed right. a search warrant on Friday and waited till Monday because it was so sensitive. Their argument fails. The facts are going to completely destroy them when the underlying documents come out, just like we showed during Russiagate. That's why we need all the underlying affidavits and documents at the FBI and DOJ to be made public. And I'm so glad people are pushing for it, like over at Judicial Watch and John Solomon's crew and, and you. We're talking to Cash Patel, former senior administration official with President Trump, close confidant of President Trump, uh, and a good and decent guy. Very few of those left anymore. Cash, one of the things as, uh, again, someone with very specific legal expertise, I think the government's going to have a very hard time with, is the allegation is a violation at this point. It appears to be of 18 U.S.C. 2071, concealment, removal, mm-hmm. or mutilation generally. But as you well know, when you're trying to put forth as an affiant a probable cause statement, you have to prove all the relevant attributes to the crime. Or you have to prove, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you have to put evidence in there that they're all met. Now, the problem with 2071, it it requires a willful and unlawful Mm -hmm. concealment. 
How the hell are they going to make that case in a federal trial when multiple sources are reporting on June 3rd, Donald Trump personally greeted the FBI and DOJ folks who came to talk about these documents? That, that, that's an open and shut slam dunk. Throw the case out. Yeah, they're going to fail. I mean, remember, James Comey altered that definition anyway for Hillary Clinton when she actually had classified information. But moving past that, there, this case is never going to get to trial because of, the, because of what you just highlighted. The GSA, the Government Service Administration, has already publicly admitted that they, by mistake, packed boxes and sent them down to Mar-a-Lago. And that was the reason they needed to go in, supposedly, and call information. It's not like Donald Trump put these in his suitcase and put them on Air Force One and strapped them to his back and walked them into Mar-a-Lago. That's where you fail on intent. There's no intent if you didn't literally pick the document up or even know it existed. And so they are going to come up a mile short on that. But they're going to run the Jan 6 stop here. They're going to get Hollywood and Adam Schiff and company to say Donald Trump is in possession of nuclear codes. Really, you're, the, you're a member of the Gang of Eight. Shouldn't you know that he was in possession of this stuff? And that it's so harmful to national security, you wait two years? The facts are going to bear out what they always bear out. They're politically targeting Donald Trump without facts and changing the law underneath them so that they can make a political narrative um, to, the, to the mafia and the media. And thankfully, we have rock, rocking shows like yours who are always digging thank for the you. truth, and, and we're going to yeah, keep going. Well, we're trying. You know, one of the things about uh, 18 U.S.C. 2071 that gets uh, the left to wet their diapers, like Mark Elias, you know, big super lawyer <laughs> for the left, is the disqualification of public office standard. But uh, you, you listen, you're a very smart legal mind here. Uh, Cash, there's not a chance in Hades that's constitutional. There are very clear um, uh, requirements to run for president laid out in the Constitution. They are not amendable by the legislative branch. They can't create an extra perimeter around those qualifications or expand the perimeter. Um, they can't. They would need to be a constitutional amendment. There's a very simple reason for that, Cash. You know, when they wanted a checks and balances system, uh, they didn't want the Congress to be able to rewrite the rules for president. Because if I didn't want Cash Patel to run for president, I could then put in a law that says, oh, and by the way, if your first name is Cash, you can't run either. Like, that's not the way this works. So you, your thoughts on, on, eight, on 2071 and the disqualification thing, I, I, I think it, it, it will never withstand constitutional Constitutional muster. I'll, I'll get to the statute in a second, but I just refocus our energy on Mark Elias, the Hillary Clinton yeah. operative yeah. that got paid tens of millions <laughs> of dollars to start the Steele dossier hoax, the Alpha Bank server hoax, who has been labeled a joint criminal conspirator by Special Counsel Durham in the prosecutions over the summer. This guy is now coming out and saying this statute, and he knows it doesn't, false, you know, falsely saying it applies to the president. The bottom line is, the office of the president is governed by the Constitution and constitutional amendments. The, these same people are the ones that stood up five years ago and said it doesn't apply to Hillary Clinton, even if she were to win the presidency, because they were right. It doesn't apply to the office of the president. So like anything else, the hypocrisy is going to clear Donald Trump, just like Liz Cheney cleared Donald Trump for January 6th when she stated he didn't order the National Guard. He didn't. It would have been illegal. Um, this statute doesn't apply. And I think once the documents come out, we are going to see how much of a farce this this sort of quote unquote prosecution is because it's being led by the most political attorney general in the United States history. And for him to run to the podium like a coward last night and say the men and women of DOJ are great. You know what? They are. The only one that's not is you and your deputy attorney general, Lisa Monaco, and your pay dag in John Carlin. They're the biggest political hucksters out of Hillary Clinton world who are just itching, itching to put Donald Trump in president uh, in jail for for false accusations. And you know what? We'll, we'll talk about it soon, I'm sure. But Russia Gate, Russia Gate's going to come around again, 
And I believe, Dan, and I haven't said this anywhere, that the reason they went in is to block the Russiagate documents that Donald Trump declassified on the way out. I've seen them. I know what they are. They're so bad and they're so bad for the Democrats. They went in. So now they can say this. The FBI is, uh, has an ongoing investigation. You can't get the documents anymore. That's my belief. And wow. I think we got to bear through it with Congress and we got to buckle down and, and, and get it. And uh, selfishly, I'll plug my book, The Plot Against the King. Please buy it. <laughs> Cash, I'm 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 a little mad at you right now. I got to be honest. You just blew my mind with that thing you just discussed, and you waited 16 minutes into the interview. Wait, plot against the king. Let's get a plug for the book. Plot against the king by Cash Patel. He's a good friend of the show. Go pick it up. Plot against the king. I again, I, as I've said about you often, you texted me the other day, which was very nice. But I mean it. You're one of those commentators who you'll say stuff I haven't heard, which is remarkable because this has been in the news for now well over 72 hours. So you're suggesting there, which I, I now my eyes are open, and you could be absolutely correct, that one of their possible motivations is not, in fact, to look for classified documents, but to hide Russiagate from being exposed and to use the, oh, now it's part of an ongoing investigation, so we're going to have to make this stuff go dark again. I, yeah, I, genius. absolutely, and it's not... It's not one of it, it is these. Remember, you're talking to the guy that has been named by Donald Trump as his National Archives representative, the guy who did the D class work with Devin Nunes and the Trump administration. As Devin and I have always said, we only got 60% of the docs out. The, re, the remaining 40%, Donald Trump declassified in October of 2020 when he put out the wholesale statement every Russiagate and Hillary Clinton email investigation document is hereby declassified. And on the way out of the White House, he declassified whole sets of documents. The National Archives buried him. The political hack that was running the National Archives referred this matter to DOJ when he did not have to because I was trying to get access to those and get them to the American public. And now the FBI raids him and they're going to say ongoing counterintelligence investigation. Not even Congress can see it. But when this Congress changes, we're going to have to make some heavy demands of the new Republican leadership. Whoa. Whoa. Let me just tell you, mind blown. I got about a minute left, but Cash, you've seen a lot of this stuff. You, you're saying there's more to come out on Russiagate that's even worse than what I mean, that stuff's been yeah. pretty bad so far. Way more. I've seen it. And you know, you, you know what they're waiting for, Dan. They're waiting for me to say, look what's in that document. They'll be like, oh, Cash Patel just broke the federal law yeah. by telling us what was in that class. Oh, yeah. Document. You know, I, uh, I, I would have laughed at that a few years ago, but 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 yeah. I would have laughed at that. Oh, don't be a conspiracy. You are 1000 percent correct. I would not be surprised tomorrow. I kid you not. I'm embarrassed to say it a little bit, but I would not be surprised because I'm going to tell you the truth. If someone was knocking on our our door, I just wouldn't. That's how little faith I have anymore in the institutions of government. And it's just so frightening considering, you know, I dedicated most of my adult life as yourself to trying to make this country just a little bit more secure in my, my own way. It's just horrifying. Cash Patel, the book is The Plot Against the King. Please go pick yeah, it up. Sure. Thanks a lot for joining us last, last minute. You're always fantastic with, their, with your analysis. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Dan. Have a great day. You got it, folks. That was Cash Patel. That is, uh, Jim, did you hear that? That's another one. I, <laughs> I got to write that down. Russia Gate Papers. I didn't even think of that. That is just, he is, always brings it. That was Cash Patel. Up next is Julie Kelly. Julie's been all over the January 6th case and others. Here's Julie Kelly, who talked about how not only Trump is being targeted, but anyone in his sphere and how it's meant to intimidate him from running again. Here's a hint. It's not working. That and a lot more. Listen to the interview with Julie Kelly. All right. You know the gas policy. We usually stick to one gas, but sometimes uh, the situation and the circumstance on the ground warrants getting people uh, on the show with 
different areas of expertise, especially in critical times like this. Uh, I typically go when it comes to government malfeasance in cases like this to the great Julie Kelly, who I want to welcome back to the show today. Julie Kelly is the author of the book, January 6th. It's a must read. I recommend it highly. Julie, thanks for spending some time with us. Dan, always. Thanks for having me on. So, Julie, you have been all over the January 6th case, but not just that. You're a, you're a fantastic reporter on, on other matters involving government malfeasance and misfeasance, too. I, I, I'd like you to comment. As Michael Anton has a, a, a piece out called They Cannot Let Him Back In. And the gist of it is you know, what, exactly what it, what it said, that they, they can't afford at this point, Julie, the swamp, to let Donald Trump run again and win because now um, he's got the political connections. He understands the process. And Michael lays out a multi-part plan. The first part of the plan to keep him out of office, Plan A, is the January 6th hearings. They were never designed to get to the bottom of anything. The sole purpose is to politically damage Donald Trump. That's exactly right. And I urge everyone to read anything that Michael Anton ever reads because <laughs> he's, great. he's yeah. a genius and he also understands the political environment. But that's exactly right. They cannot allow Trump back in. That's why they're throwing everything that they possibly can at great risk to the peace and stability of the nation and the integrity of our government institutions to make sure that he's not back in the White House uh, because he does understand what's happening. And he, I think hopefully he realizes the mistakes that he made, especially related to personnel. And I saw some headlines that Donald Trump wants to be back in the White House for revenge. Good. <laughs> because I right. think, uh, there are lots of us who want revenge on what this government has done to him and to all of us for the past six years. You know, Julie, I, I, I had dinner with him last night and um, I think he, he gets it. It's a conversation I know he's had publicly. So, uh, but, but I think he understands. And, and I think the personnel thing was an enormous problem. I'm glad you brought that up. He, he's not, he's not naive to that at all. He's talked about it publicly. And uh, one of the things, I, I think he was trying to do, and it's not me kind of putting lipstick on it or anything like that, is I think he was trying this kind of team arrivals approach where he figured, all right, it's sad that we're going to need some of these rhinos, but they're sellouts. So let's take recommendations from a few of them, assuming, you know, they'll do the right thing and work on behalf of the American people, liberty, freedom, and all that stuff. Well, that's not what happened. The minute they got in the White House, they all screwed him over, leaked to the media, and started developing their own fiefdoms because they had no cojones, you know? So I think he did learn from that, and I, I'm sure of it, as a matter of fact. And I think if there's a round two here in 2024, things are going to be really different. I trust you. I believe what you're saying, and I do believe that that has to be true. And now they've just taken it to a whole different level with the president and the people around him. Um, you know, they've been rounding up his supporters now for 19 plus months, throwing them in jail, uh, detaining them for 16, 17, 18 months now, delaying their trials. Um, you know, this is very serious what this Justice Department is doing. And I have no doubt that they will indict Donald Trump for something. I don't think it'll just be because of this. I think the raid helps create the optics to justify criminal charges, either obstruction of an official proceeding, conspiracy. We could add tampering uh, with evidence to, to, to that. Um, but this is all about optics, and it's all about spin, and no one does it better than the Democrats because they have the media in their pocket to help them with it. Um, and, but I think this has emboldened and outraged the base to also at a different level, Dan, and I'm sure you're hearing this all over the place. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. We're talking to Julie Kelly, author of one of the best books I've read in a while. It's called January 6th. Pick it up today, wherever you get your books. Julie, a, a friend of mine, his name's Kevin, obviously leave his last name out of it, but he's a friend. He's not any political guy or anything like that. He's a former police officer. Uh, I'm friends with him on my personal page on, on Facebook, and I, I, I keep a personal page because I just like to see what, you know, regular people who make America work are talking about. Not everything. Uh, I love the Julie Kellys of the world of death, but you have friends. I have, We like to talk to, you know, regular outside of the bubble people too. And he put this post up the other day. I've never seen anything like it from him. He put this post up the other day saying, listen, uh, 2024, uh, I, I was leaning towards maybe another candidate. Let's try something different. He goes, but I got to tell you, this raid has me, and it's a couple expletives in there, pissed off. And now he goes, I am Trump all the way. There's almost like there'd have to be a nuclear war for you to stop me from voting for Trump now because now I know you're scared of him because you're trying to preserve your fiefdoms. I guarantee you, you keep a very close pulse on what people are thinking with your coverage of January 6th. I guarantee you're hearing the same kind of thing. I absolutely am. And this is backfiring in a number of ways. You know, I live in the Chicago suburbs. Obviously, I have a lot of friends who are just suburban moms and their interest in politics really varies. I mean, I would say most of them are Republican and Trump supporters, again, to different degrees. But the first text I got Monday night was a friend of mine who I've had since sixth grade, Um, you know, not overly political, a Trump supporter, but, you know, not like a rabid, you know, person who's like, you know, oh, my God, I'll do anything for Donald Trump. And she texted, you know, why are they raiding his house? What is going on in this country? And the word I keep hearing just from normal people is the word scary. You know, they really see what this DOJ and this regime finally is all about. And that's why I do think what you're talking about with your friend, Kevin, this is backfiring on the Democrats, which is why they're going to be desperate to come up with any kind of record out of Mar-a-Lago that they think, you know, violated some kind of crime to justify what they did. Um, But I don't think it's going to work. Julie, is is that why you think Garland gave this kind of rushed, this sniveling coward of a human being, gave this rushed kind of pathetic presser yesterday where he just, you know, uh, scuttled off without even taking a single question? They must know this, that the narrative, they've lost the narrative at this point. They've lost the narrative, and I'll tell you, Dan, leaking information to the Washington Post and now just within the past 15, 20 minutes to the Wall Street Journal, instead of letting the legal process or doing what they said that they were going to do, which is wait till this afternoon to hear from Trump's lawyers, and then they would release it. They're leaking it to the same regime propagandists who have lied to the American people about everything related to Donald Trump for six years. This does nothing to restore their credibility. It actually burns it even further, because the only people that Americans hate more and trust less than the federal government is the news media. And they're giving it to these mainstream outlets who, you know, promoted the Russia collusion hoax and every other stupid scheme that the government has put that the anti-Trump government forces have put together. So this is not and for Mayor Garland and Chris Ray basically to low key threaten Americans for criticizing this or criticizing the agency, um, that really, too, is certainly not helpful and will 
infuriate okay. people um, even more. So uh, what I find, again, um, in a, 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 a tremendous kind of breach of protocol in the Constitutional Republic here is not that they just conducted this uh, this uh, this uh, search warrant at the Donald Trump Mar-a-Lago residence, but they deliberately kept the lawyers outside. Now, Julie, that's an odd move because... You know, the defense's lawyer is typically your best friend on a search warrant. They can't stop the search warrant. And they want you out of there, too. So they're probably going to tell you where this stuff is. But they didn't do that here, which says to me they may be up to something. Oh, they're definitely up to something. But listen, Dan, this is what I've heard repeatedly for over a year and a half, how this FBI is conducting these raids. I mean, Luckily for Donald Trump, he wasn't subjected to a pre-dawn raid with dozens of armed agents uh, aiming their rifles at children and elderly women and beating down their front door with battering rams, all the horror stories that I've heard, and not even getting a chance to look at a warrant. A lot of these people didn't even know they were being arrested for something related to January 6th until they were at the police station. And someone finally read them the warrant, you know, 10, 12 hours later after their home is ransacked. So these are the sort of things, Dan, that the American people need to be told about, that this isn't a one-off what this FBI is doing. And the GOP, as you and I have talked about repeatedly, they need to get their act together and really figure out aside from mean letters and threatening, you know, posts on social media, uh, that they're actually going to do something. I don't think this agency is salvageable, but to the extent that Republicans think that it is, it needs drastic reforms, starting with cutting off a lot of funding. Oh, I agree. You know, I saw a, 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 a sadly, tragically comical post by Kyle Becker on Twitter, he posted out there, or it was a Greg Price or one of them, he said something like, Lindsey Graham's going to send the mother of all demand letters to the FBI. Like, <laughs> enough with the letters. You're right. Like, this has to be a funding thing at this point. There has to be reforms to FOIA. The FBI slow rolls FOIA. There has to be a reform to funding. The IG's office is clearly toothless. The actual tangible things have to be done to kind of grab from the FBI this power they've usurped at this point, because we're not going to have a constitu- constitutional republic if that doesn't happen. Your, your final thoughts on that? When you had Chris Ray walk out of a Senate Judiciary Committee meeting last week after only three and a half hours of testimony while his agency is in full disarray under so many different scandals, telling U.S. senators that he was going on another business trip when he was getting on our taxpayer paid G5 to go for a lengthy weekend in the Andorondacks, if that doesn't tell you, Chris Ray does not only not have respect for Donald Trump and the American people, but the people who hold the purse strings, if they don't do something about that, Dan... Uh, I don't know where we go from there. Yeah, I don't either. Julie Kelly, author of a terrific book, January 6th. Follow her writing as well. She's been all over some open questions about January 6th, including the, quote, bomber at the DNC. Look up her writing on that. You've been doing great work. Julie, thanks for your time. Thank you, Dan. Have a great weekend. That was Julie Kelly. Up next is Darren Beatty from Revolver with an explosive interview about the January 6th bomber. Here's Darren Beatty, who had an amazing article about the mystery behind the January 6th pipe bomber and what the FBI may be covering up. Don't miss this. There's another story that I saw that just, uh, I don't know, blew my mind. I mean, I'm running out of modifiers and adjectives to describe it. I'd like to welcome to the show a guy who's done just some incredible reporting on the January 6th, all the events of that day, Darren Beatty. Darren, welcome back to the show. Great to be back. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I read your piece in Revolver. Folks, it's in my newsletter today. It's You can go right to Revolver to get it. It's called January 6th Pipe Bombers Mechanical Timer. 
detonates Fed's erection line. Darren, the piece is incredible. Uh, now, I read through it, and one of the things uh, you put in this, this, this really amazing piece is these bombs that were found at the DNC and the RNC had mechanical-like egg timer-type things. And tell us what else you found, which kind of blows up the whole planned insurrection MAGA terrorist myth here. Yes, I mean, I encourage everyone go to revolver.news and read this piece in its entirety because it's just one absolutely damning, quote unquote, coincidence piled on top of another, ultimately pointing right at Merrick Garland, who needs to answer for this sham pipe bomb cover-up. So some of the details about the discovery of the pipe bomb, just so people can get an initial taste. So the pipe bomb planted by the RNC building, which was in a back alley near a trash can, that was discovered by allegedly a random pedestrian who, according to reports, discovered the pipe bomb at 12.40 p.m. And when this individual saw the, the pipe bomb at 12.40, she noted that the timer had 20 minutes left, but it was actually stuck on 20 minutes. Therefore, given the impression that the pipe bomb was set to detonate at 1 o'clock, which is the exact time that the certification proceedings were to begin in Congress. The only thing is, this is an amazing coincidence. If she had discovered it at any other minute, it would not have conveyed, conveyed that exact impression. So, wow, this, Darren, what yeah. a co- Jim, what a coincidence! <laughs> that is amazing. You mean right to the minute? That is okay. Stagger, go ahead. That's I'm just floored by the coincidence here. It's amazing. You know, it's so that's one coincidence. Another coincidence is since she discovers it at 12:40, the um, authorities began the Capitol Police began responding to the pipe bomb at 12.49, which is exactly one minute before the initial and decisive assault on the west perimeter of the Capitol, which began at 12.50. And so the discovery of the RNC pipe bomb was perfectly synchronized both to the beginning of the congressional proceedings to certify the election and the beginning of the assault on the west side of the perimeter at 12.50. And it was so perfectly synchronized that Stephen Sund and other officials speculated that this had to have been a diversionary pipe bomb. Otherwise, how do we account for this precise alignment in timing? Now, there's another thing. What's more amazing than the circumstances of the RNC pipe bomb's discovery the circumstances of the DNC's pipe bomb not being discovered, because we have to understand in order for this diversion to work, the pipe bombs can't be discovered prematurely. Otherwise, the effect isn't to divert resources from the assault on the Capitol perimeter at 1250 and the certification at one. But if they discovered it, say, earlier in the morning, they'd say, oh, my God, security threat near the Capitol. We're going to beef up security, and that could have very easily prevented the effective attack on the Capitol perimeter, which was only guarded by like a handful of officers, 
right? Part of right. their excuse for why that was able to happen was that they had resources diverted because of these pipe bombs. If they had been discovered earlier, that could have been screwed up entirely. And so why wasn't the DNC pipe bomb discovered early? Because unlike the RNC pipe bomb, which is sort of ensconced in some back alley somewhere, which is bizarre that it was the first one found, the DNC pipe bomb was located right on the foot of a bench, which was literally five feet away from an entrance to the DNC building, blocks from the Capitol. Now, the pipe bomber planted these bombs the evening before. So the pipe bomber, in order to achieve this desired diversion effect, had to count on the DNC bomb not being discovered the evening before when he planted it, not being discovered earlier in the morning, by any of the hundreds of people, pedestrians who would have been walking by. This was a place where scooters were stationed, so any scooter user could have easily spotted the pipe bomb. Um, motorists driving by, police officers, DNC security personnel. So in the revolver study, we did a Google Earth image snap of that precise location. And what we saw was a security guard standing literally feet away from where the pipe bomb was planted. And who would have seen it? And this was, you know, Google Images, it just takes a random day. But this was not a random day. This is January 6th. So if on a random day you have motorists, you have security guards and so forth, it, it really beggars belief that this wasn't discovered. And to top it all off, it wasn't just ordinary security guards there. There was also the United States Secret Service which is astonishing that despite the cover-up of many, many, many months, it was finally leaked that Kamala Harris was actually at the DNC building on the 6th. And reports have confirmed that the Secret Service did do a sweep of, quote, the entrances, the parking garages, and all of the key sort of points, security points relevant to the DNC. So, you know, you're... You, you're, you've been in this. You know what the Secret yeah. Service is like. Yeah. You understand more than anybody in the country how bizarre it is that the Secret Service is doing a sweep of the DNC and doesn't find a pipe bomb on a bench that's literally five feet away from the entrance. And just to make it even more unbelievable, reports have said that, oh, these pipe bombs had live explosive material, meaning dogs would have easily found this. So we have two independently unbelievable things. One is that the RNC pipe bomb was discovered like literally to the minute to be synchronized with the initial attack on the Capitol and the beginning of the certification proceeding to divert. And secondly, that the DNC pipe bomb was not found up into that point prematurely, such as to ruin the diversion plan. Both of these unbelievably implausible things happened in order to achieve this diversionary effect. And it's just at this point, it's just too many coincidences to chalk up to, um, to talk up to mere chance. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking to Darren Beatty has a piece in revolver January 6th pipe bombers, mechanical timer detonates fed surrection line. The piece is astounding. Darren, the mechanical timer set for 20 minutes, um, the hour-long kind of egg timer device that was locked in at 20 minutes out, means what you just said, that if it was, if you were going to promote 
a theory, let's say, uh, I'll call it a conspiracy theory, that these things were there to divert meant to go off at one. Yes, that means you would have to have found that at 1240. It wasn't locked in at 10 minutes. It was locked in at 20. But I just want you to reiterate to the audience, those devices were not planted an hour before at noon on January 6th. They were planted, what, 17 hours earlier? Is that correct? Exactly. They were planted between 8 and 9 p.m. the previous night. That, the previous see, this night. Is, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, the that doesn't make night. any sense. Yeah. Like this is this to me is and and you know it, it just in the interest of candor, I've spoken to you many times about this because I have so many perplexing questions about this that I've just tried to figure out. The one you just brought up about the Secret Service. So uh, you're correct. I did this for a living. So Kamala Harris, as the Vice President Elect, she was you know scheduled to be you know the the uh, ECA thing and the January sixth thing was going to happen that day. She wasn't going to be sworn in for a couple of weeks. She's Vice President Elect. She clearly has a protective detail. If there was an explosive sweep, those dogs are incredibly sensitive to that kind of, of of explosive, an old pipe bomb. I would assume black powder type device. There's no way an EOD team. That is expertise in looking for sophisticated devices, not a pipe, pipe bombs like the kind of thing I mean, you and I, Darren. Well, me, I'd be a bad example. I've done it, but you're a reporter like you'd see it a minute ago. That looks strange. You're telling me an EOD team, explosives ordnance disposal team and a canine dog both missed this thing outside of the DNC. You, you got to explain what do you have a theory as to how that could possibly be? Well, there, there's a lot of speculation to be had here, but I would simply point out that it's so convenient that the DNC pipe bomb wasn't discovered until after the RNC bomb, because, again, if it was discovered beforehand, it could have ruined the whole diversionary effect. They would have had to call in more security, and their excuse that, oh, we just had a few personnel by the west side of the Capitol because of this diversion. We had to go to the pipe bomb. And that's why it was so easy for these people to uh, penetrate the Capitol barriers at 1250. That whole thing would have not worked. It all had to be precisely aligned. The RNC bomb being discovered basically in perfect synchronization with the attack on the Capitol at 1250 and the DNC bomb not being discovered uh, not being discovered before. And and uh, just to, to add something, you know, maybe we would have additional insight on the circumstances of the DNC bomb, but a piece that we published at Revolver right before this piece is equally remarkable. It's much more narrowly constrained, but we show definitively that the FBI is hiding critical footage of the exact moment that the pipe bomber planted the bomb at the DNC. Yes. We show yes. that there are two camera angles and the FBI gives us footage from each, each camera, but the footage of the pipe bomber who's sort of bending down, rummaging through a bag, presumably planting the actual bomb. They decide to give us for that shot, the bad camera angle when we know they have the other camera angle because they've shown us footage from that, just not during the time that the pipe bomber is actually planting it. So it really makes you wonder, in light of all of the circumstances we've been talking about, why would the FBI, who claims we, we need the public's help, we want you to help us find out this pipe bomber, we're really into it, help us, why would they 
selectively and specifically withhold the one critical piece of footage that would be most likely to help the public identify this person. Well, let me just throw out there. You don't have to comment on it, but I will. Um, if you didn't want to find out who the person was or you didn't want the public to know who the person was, that would be a probable reason. And let me just throw one more thing, and I, and I got to run there, and I want to make sure I get a promo in for the site one last time. But it's kind of strange how Liz Cheney and the January 6th committee don't seem laser-focused on this, too. I mean, a bomber terrorist trying to create an insurrection on the day they were going to count the electoral votes. It just seems really weird that it hasn't really come up at the hearing. Don't, think don't you about think? this. It, absolutely. And think about this. Isn't it weird that the Democrats aren't clamoring for the right. FBI to release this footage? Because it was right. a MAGA bomber who right. MAGA bomber. in front of the Democratic National Committee. Right. And the Democrats right. don't want this additional piece of footage to help identify the terrorist who planted a bomb outside of their headquarters. It's, it's amazing. They, they, they probably had bleach and a noose and were screaming <laughs> justice for Juicy, too. Exactly. <laughs> Darren, I got to run. Is- oh, the, the website, folks, is a revolver dot. I want to get the dot dot. What is it? New, news? I don't want to say news. that. News. Revolver dot Re- news. And just as a quick point, Ray Epps makes a cameo in this pipe bomb piece and it will blow your mind. If you've Folks, heard about Ray F. Oliver reporting on this, go to the piece toward the end. There's an additional detail about Ray Epps in relation to the pipe bomb that will absolutely blow your mind. And Darren, we've got it everywhere. I've got it at BonginoReport.com. I've got it in the newsletter today. We've got it featured all over. Again, folks, Revolver.News, January 6th, Pipe Bomber's Mechanical Timer Detonates Fed Surrection Line. Darren, thanks a lot for your time. Appreciate you coming on last minute. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. You got it, folks. Folks, at peace. <laughs> I, I'm not overselling it. Jim, you read it, right? It's not just, it is. It's, it's about, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 words. It only take you about 10 minutes to read. There's not a paragraph in it. You're not going to be like, something smells here bad. Producer Gee, who is the most sober guy on, yes, Dan, no doubt. He never gets emotional about anything. Read it this morning. He's like, this is weird. And believe me, for Gee, that's like, that he just said everything. That's right, Jim? For Guy, me and Jim are in Mike. We're all emotional Italians from Queens, not Guy. Guy says nothing about anything ever. This is weird. That's, <laughs> that's all you need to hear. That was Darren Beatty. Please be sure to check out his article in Revolver. It's at revolver.news. Thanks for listening to the special Sunday podcast we put together for you. You can hear me every weekday across the country on over 300 radio stations. Go to Bongino.com, click on Station Finder to find out where I'm on near you. As always, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast as well on Apple, Spotify, and Rumble at rumble.com slash Bungie. You just heard Dan Bongino.